So let's pray. Dear Lord, we're grateful for another day. It's pleasant weather and a little warm, but we're grateful for a somewhat cool place to sit and uh, study your word and, and prepare ourselves for making families. And we'd ask that you would uh, guide us and uh, keep us discovering new things all the way through our lives about the good we can do to our children and for our children. In your son's name, amen. amen. Well, we are on page 17 on the piece of true discipline. Um, there's going to be uh, probably stories that occur tonight, some involving Graham. <laughs> Not all involving Graham, some involving me, I think. Uh, some practical things, but discipline, I was telling Leslie this this morning, um, this afternoon, sometime today. When you have a child rearing seminar over five days, the glowing point is the discipline talk. Everybody wants to know how to hit the kid, <laughs> how to hit the kid effectively, how to get in trouble about hitting the kid. Um, what what do I do? When do I do it? How often? How 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 many you know swats? Is it a switch? Is it a ping pong paddle? I recommend the ping pong paddle. <laughs> Um, my father used a ping pong paddle. Um, so those, those practical, yeah, you want this to happen to your kid? Um, a lot of practical things that, you know, that will come up today. But, but I would say primarily to save you from having to have a list of practicals on a little card in your wallet so that you could quickly refer to what is the regime? What does the regime say we do in this case? Uh, is to know the principles, what's going on principally with discipline, and uh, so that you can find your own way. You know what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, if you know what you're supposed to be doing, not just, I know the Christian parents discipline, and um, that's supposed to be good for them, and the Bible says so in Proverbs. Um, the whole train up the child in the way that he should go, which is probably professionally, my father has said, uh, a time, but uh, we know that we want to have this good end, this successful, tranquil, uh, gracious, peaceful children going off into their lives. And so we know that our task of training them, not, not just keeping them fed until they grow up and leave, but training them so that fate will favor both, the, both that their circumstance, the, the world they live in, their hearts are, have the right doors open for the gospel coming in, for good opportunity coming in, the reputation of their fellow man coming into them, that they would have the, the doors and windows open that they ought. And so we know that there has to be a schooling of, of the child. And discipline is the schooling portion. Other things teach, and we talked about, you know, obviously if you're a solid believer, a solid Christian, and you avoid all the nonsense that Christians can invent, um, they will pick that up, osmotically, usually. Um, uh, the same is true with your maturity, your sense of place. They will interpret what they learn in light of your sense of position. Now, discipline, on the other hand, is active uh, teaching. Now, this is not going to make a whole lot of sense to you, I, I, it's the way I write. I apologize. 
Uh, the self is made when pain and pleasure make you announce, I feel, therefore it matters. That's sort of Cartesian uh, via Evan. Um, it's not I think, therefore I am. I feel, therefore it matters. And that's what pain and pleasure. Kid comes out of the womb, that little kid right over there, knows his diaper's wet, knows it's hungry, squawks, demands, already, already things that parents can go, what am I doing? I do, I, how do I stop it from doing this, making this noise? I'll, I'll feed it, you know. I'll, and the kid for a while disciplines you. But, uh, uh, but it's because pain and pleasure has chaotically entered their existence. You, it entered your existence, and you care because you feel it. If it feels good, you care because it, it feels good to you and you alone. And if it hurts, it hurts you and you alone. And so it matters. What discipline is, it organizes what is usually chaotic and gives it direction. Discipline takes the good and the bad, the pain and the pleasure of life, and passes it through a plan. Either you're disciplining yourself, or you're disciplining someone else and says, I'm going to organize pain and pleasure to direct it so that it will... Um, because if a kid t touches a hot stove, it doesn't have to be disciplined. It just learned. It learned mightily. It'll never go near it again. It'll wake up screaming at night about stoves. So you have to uh, recognize that this is a tool that exists in every person, they've already credited it with des designing their self. If the self is made, that's how you know you're not me. And you know you're not the end table. Because you only feel the things inside your skin. And you say, this is me. Everything inside this is me, Evan. And I don't care. You are the other. You are just, who knows whether you have reality. I have reality because I feel and we're trying to design a self that is for our children that by our organization of pain and pleasure and bringing it into their life wisely, righteously, etc. so that they have the opportunity to, well, they reach for the outlet. They haven't been shocked before. You don't want them shocked even once. So what do you do? Little Johnny, come let us reason together. Uh, it's not working. It's not going to make any sense because some of us would say, well, I'm touching. He'll learn. 110 across the heart. There's nothing quite like it. <laughs> now, so you swat their hand. What you've done is you say, there's no connection between the pain in his hand and the outlet. The outlet did not cause the pain in his hand. You just gave his little world an association. Pain. I said, no, don't go near that. I'm going to put pain next to it, so just like a dog, you're going to get trained. So that's, what is, that's what's happening with <clears throat> discipline. Discipline is giving the child, by the discipline, reasons to self-govern and self-rule. Um, when they're young, Pain is a good reason because they really don't have the the other approaches to them discipline wise are not as available um, and uh, you will find that as you discipline rightly and painfully when they're young 
you will not be disciplining them sometimes painfully for years when you'd still be open to doing it. They will not be getting spankings when they're 10. If you're doing it right, they will not be getting spankings. They might get a, a rare one, one that crops up. The story my father always tells is Gordon having been told he would not be given spankings after he was 13. And he, uh, you probably have heard the story, uh, but uh, he was found out to have done something and father said, okay, to the basement. But father, I'm 13. He said, yeah, but you lied when you were 12. Mm. So to the basement for your last spanking. It was a school homework. School homework, yeah. For the whole semester. Hadn't done it. Quarter, he hadn't done it, but he lied and said he had. And the grades came out after he turned 13. So he was going to, see lawyering is a, is a gift. People really know how to adjust. Oh, you don't see, sir. I. But the idea is that, that our kids, for a long time, I'm still open to spanking them up to about 13. I think our natural cutoff was in by the, when they were done being th uh, when they were 12, was, uh, just sort of arbitrarily. But um, uh, you'll find that you're not spanking at all because it's more in accord with an unreasonable mind. They don't have the maturity to process what you're asking them to do or put it together with any kind of thought of why they shouldn't throw their kicks on the floor. They are going to throw their kicks on the floor unless you give them a really good reason not to. Um, you then move to actual reasons. Um, once you have, not, again, nothing, none of this is a plan that you do arbitrarily. You don't say, well, the Wilsons said that at about this age you should stop be giving physical spank. You know, when you're done with the job, when the physical pain has taken care of things it needs to, and occasionally you will need to dish that out again. You know, with the, one of the automatics in our household, if you hit your sister, it doesn't matter what the reason was, and my sister needed to be hit, but uh, it was automatic. <laughs> now, it says in Hebrews 12, besides this, we have had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. The presence of discipline is the working of power. You know, far, like I said at the beginning, far more important that you understand what's going on here, not what to do. You've heard my father say, be, don't do. This is a being aspect. You understand what discipline does, what you're about. I'm organizing the pains of their life to feature my interests. Well, um, we respected our parents, the scripture said, for having done so. And that's because you're having this opportunity to seize on their sorry little rear end, haul them off into the outer darkness, and, and have them cry loudly and uncontrollably. Um, you become the organizer. You could almost say, we're going we're gonna to have some organization, report to the basement. It was always the basement for us. Report to the basement or meet your father in the basement. Oh, oh. <laughs> there was no hope at that point. There was no negotiation. You still tried, but you, there was no hope. Um, but, but it was... It really was a moment of, of almost pure rule. My father, and you've all heard the story of how he spanked Doug once in anger, 
and how he had to confess it to Doug afterwards. Um, I watched the whole thing. I was, I, my sin was all internal. I was always pleased watching my, <laughs> my siblings get, get theirs. Um, if you find out that, that you are their better, it's a, and if you're doing it principally, that better starts to register with you. You begin to understand the dignity your position has and, that you, and the fact that you've got the force, especially when there are two, to do anything you want. So you want to be circumspect about it. You want to be noble about it. You want to be gracious about it. You want to be loving about it. But you get to do it. And you have been handed... The Imperium. I, I really like the Roman concept of Imperium because uh, the various magistrates in Rome were given uh, granted degrees of Imperium. And it, it was symbolized, we have it carry over today, I, it used to be on the pennies. You used to have it on uh, the copper pennies in the United States. They were those little, uh, called the fasces, we get the word fascist from it. And the fasces were essentially the symbols of Imperium and you, your amount of Imperium was by how many lictors because they dished out the licks, um, carried these bundles around with them in processing yourself around town. If you had five lictors, you had greater imperium. Four lictors was less. But what it was was a double-bladed axe wrapped in a bundle of rods, which meant they were ready to do what they needed to do. They were either going to beat you with the broom handles or they're going to cut your head off. That was imperium. You know, they had the power to punish. And that's what you've been given. You have been, and the Romans were very clear about how much and how long your imperium and so forth and so on. Um, and that's what you've been given by God. This state of better. I said last night that the better that we face, the better that we are, is a better of rule and the efficient extension of your will. And your will is trying to shape, every discipline tries to shape a direction. You are trying to shape that which God wants and what you want. It's not just, your discipline is not just, I can only lead them to Jesus. That's all I get to do. Now you get to actually run your house the way you want to. Um, it says in Proverbs 29, the rod and, of, and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. And that's absolutely, absolutely true. The, the, the peaceful home. My parents were always, my, we were well-behaved kids. We sinned, we disobeyed, we got swats. But compared to everybody else's house, it looked like, um, well, people would tell my parents, my mother used to tell me this. They used to tell her, well, you just have placid children. Like we were some sort of bovines, you know, just wandering around, uh, just not a thought in our head, eating our food, and nothing to think about or do. No, they were given rest because discipline gives parents delight. It gives you peace. And I've said before, in other circumstances, that the chief end of man, contrary to the Westman's Confession, is you want peace. You want rest. You want the state of ease and the chaos of life. The moral chaos, the emotional chaos, the financial chaos, all the different chaoses out there. Because what you feel matters to you, 
you want to bring governance to it. You want to bring order to it. And if you bring order to it, you bring peace to it. And as a parent, you're bringing peace to your child's life, peace to your home, and you're trying to, you have a relationship of lordship in the situation. I can't stress it enough. In fact, I wrote the Law of Lords. The Law of Lords is this. A lord is lifted up to make that peace which those that are below must kneel to enjoy. It's a simple law. It happened here at the big house. It took me a long time, just getting that right wording. But, but any lord is true. He's, be it the king, be it the, uh, God, any lord is there to make a peace. Their government is to bring about an order to make a peace that anyone's going to enjoy it, they've got to kneel to the Lord. If you want to enjoy that peace, you have to kneel to that Lord. And so remembering that, that, that um, you are Lord of your house. And sometimes, just as an aside, because we don't address it uh, elsewhere, um, husbands need to sustain mom's lordship. Okay? Because many times, mom is left at home with the kids. And I don't remember my mother spanking us. She had a policy. Your father's going to get home, and your father's going to be informed. He goes, ah. And it might not work for you. Sometimes you may enjoy spanking your children. Um, but there becomes, there comes a struggle with young sons. Sons at a very early age realize that's a woman. What is she doing laying her hands on me? And I remember, I remember Nathan Wilson, just a terror. You know, spanked nonstop by Nancy and nothing, nothing would fix it. Until finally, I mean, Doug had to be called home from work. Nathan was so bad, and he, Doug came in, and Nathan ran for the bedroom yelling, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Doug explained to him that you will not, you will not mess with my wife. You mess with my wife, I get upset with you, and I will pound you. And men, you need to be ready to support your wife. Now, sometimes there's going to be differences of opinion about what is a disciplinable offense. But you want to be securing her in that, and you want to, in your own time, work out that sometimes that she knows that if well, Leslie and I work this out, um, sometimes she had standards I just didn't have. Now, sometimes it's good to support her. Other times, it, you know, you don't absolve the kid of the spanking, but in some cases, if it's a real difference of she really thinks they need one, it was one of her basic house rules that they had violated, um, we had never seen eye to eye on it as to whether or not it was necessary, but she had put her foot down on it with the kids, um, she, will t she would take care of it, if I'm remembering correctly. She would, and she had no problem taking care of business. But, um, uh, but in most cases, that's, that's kind of rare. Uh, usually your kid's misbehavior is an agreed-upon commodity, and uh, you want to be there for your wife, including even at the end of a long day, coming home and nailing a few butts to the wall. 
So I want to mention something though. There are a couple of circumstances that we learned about in the last hmm, I don't know five eight years where some fathers had decided that they would when mom wanted a kid disciplined for something take the kid to the bedroom and then the father would say okay I'm gonna clap my hands and then you cry um, so they were essentially tricking the mom into thinking Christian families yeah that kid was getting spanked and it was this ha 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 we pulled one over on her yeah and that was generally w w how the father dealt with the difference or say a strong difference of opinion over whether it was deserved or not um, and he didn't want to fight with his wife about whether it was going to happen so he went and faked it uh, that's really 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 bad um, teaches your children all sorts of wrong things and and um, they despise their mother and they are attached to their father and uh, your, the mother will be destroyed emotionally whenever she finds out um, and be sure your sin will find you out as my mother always said now that is the, the, so it's far better um, when you when you agree together that this is a point of difference wives if you know this is a point of difference as to whether or not you think it deserves a spanking you need to be ready to pony up and deal with it. You don't toss something you know your husband might disagree with you on. You're forcing him to go dole out some justice that you think is right. And it, it sort of inverts the marital relationship. If you think it deserves it and your husband, um, uh, and this is the husband doesn't in principle, not in I'm too tired, I don't want to face it. If you, that's your position, guys, you've got to do your job. Uh, you've got you to do the discipline. But if it's a real uh, principled distinction, um, I can't even remember what the categories were. Do you remember, Graham? Categories for <laughs> no, just, uh, no, that I No, that she know. insisted on that I didn't. Uh -uh. Okay, I, we're lost there. It happens, though. But it's far better to have worked that out I think one of them may have been that they weren't allowed to take their shoes off in the house. And my reason for that is we have a huge house and they would take their shoes off and I wouldn't know where they were so we would be needing to go somewhere and couldn't find their shoes. And you know, there's just so many places to have to look for them. So I just said, you may not take your shoes off in the house. And so then if they did, they got a spanking. By Leslie. <laughs> it was practical. And I don't care about practicalities, so... Um, um, now, in your life with your kids, once you start getting these principles, okay, we're organizing pleasure and pain. Pleasure and pain. You know, you've got both tools, degrees of everything. Um, and you realize that they have to get to the point of kneeling to your authority in order to get the pleasure, the enjoyment of the peace you're providing in the home. Um, you have to have clear in your mind what you're not supposed to be doing, what you, how you're not supposed to be trying to control your child. Um, there are two uh, basic ones, more than this probably exist, and feel free to think of them and jot them in your notebook and, and apply them. 
uh, one of the basic modern ways of parents, what they consider to, to not discipline the situation but control the situation, is they find everything that could benefit the child and enroll the child in those things. They, off they go. It's a soccer mom. We, and I think I speak for all kids everywhere. Just leave us alone. Let us play in the side yard with a stick. Don't enroll us in gymnastics. Don't relive your high school years through us. Uh, you know, uh, and parents think, you know, in a way, it's an over, um, uh, it's not an um, overly involved parent. And what happens is the child's life becomes the center of life. Sex disappears because mother's exhausted. Because they're overly involved in everything and they do that so that they're always moving the kid. And the kid is always some, many times under some other coach or in some situation and, and, and it, it, it's sort of not me in the house with the kids always looking for shoes and doing laundry. Watch out for that. Um, it's not, that does not, you're not teaching them anything. You're just marking time. You're trying to get through enough days and enough seasons of soccer to have the kid leave home finally gay, as they will if they play <laughs> soccer. <laughs> no, no offense to all the gay people here. <laughs> you know, I, I was just thinking about it a minute ago. Please do not share this tech talk on CD with anybody. <laughs> He'll be arrested. I, I would be put in jail. Yeah. <laughs> Nailing your kid's butt to the wall is a phrase that probably is. The other one is the placating parent, which is, I don't want my kids to turn on me, and there's always that fear that the child's rage or the child's disapproval will be engendered by something. The kid's going to start crying. And if the kid starts crying, I will be embarrassed. We've all felt it, you know, having little Johnny on your lap at church or next to you, and suddenly they start howling and embarrassed the long walk out into purgatory <laughs> with the child. Um, and so we, ha we come up and legitimately, you know, as he was suggesting last night, uh, for Remy, uh, Skittles, you know. Just give them tooth rot. Tooth rot's better than noise. Just let them eat stuff they enjoy. Give them stuff to play with. She was gonna. She had a a cloth, a soft oh, yeah. book um, that she was gonna yeah. try to find that she'd made for Michael. But we do. You know, we give good gifts to our children. There's nothing wrong with that. But a placating parent is it can never happen. So they're always they are serving their actual lord, and the kid has turned into a little Oriental despot, and. They just have to exert their will. Those are things that people think they're controlling the situation because the parent's trying to figure out how to placate the child or what to enroll them in. And they think that they're doing parental you know, due diligence. And really, those things would all, you know, for the most part, you would enroll the kid in something the kid really wanted to be enrolled in. Mom, can I do gymnastics? Oh, sure, we'll do gymnastics. But they usually don't want to be run ragged all day long. Swim lessons, gymnastics lessons, soccer team, uh, baseball in the afternoon, you know, all the other things. Um, Do they have mock trial for kindergartners? Mock trial? I don't think so. Um, 
Hebrews 12.10 says, For they disciplined us, our parents, for a short time at their pleasure. One thing you have to understand about discipline, it is for your pleasure. I would always tell my kids this. I enjoy doing this. None of this, it hurts me more than it hurts you. I enjoy doing this. I would sometimes, I don't laugh, but I would smile. Now, it's not just that kind of pleasure. There is that in it, because they, they're, so, they're so funny when they're wrong and in sin, and you've got them completely in your control. There's nothing they can do. For those years that you can have them completely, no, no amount of tussling on their part can escape. Those are the years the reign of terror should exist, just because you can do anything you want at any time you want. And, and that trains their mind to think of you as absolutely in control. Um, but it's what you please. You are making the world in your home what you please and what you wish it to be. We govern them so that they don't disrupt our lives. Not to make our attendance to their every whim orderly. We're not trying to become, well, okay, just let me get this life straightened out, kids, so that your life will be smooth sailing. I will be in the background running myself ragged. And I just want you disciplined enough so that that attendance to your every whim would be uh, smooth. No. They've walked into an adult household that's got stuff to do. Dad's got to go to work. Mom's got to get stuff done. Dinner's got to get on the table. And this applies to other things as well. We'll cover it with affection tomorrow night. But um, there's mature things going on by mature people, and we discipline them so that they don't disrupt it. Because they're idiots. And they will disrupt it, either with stupidity or evil. And you're trying to bring government, not just for their future, but for right now. But this doesn't happen. This mopey attitude, this, this insubordination, this throwing something across the room that they shouldn't have thrown across the room. Now, uh, it becomes, you know, if you don't realize this, you're going to be letting the inmates run the asylum. I mean, it's, and, and they really are... Uh, tragedies you see where the kid runs uh, runs the parents. So what you're going to be looking at are things, we got a few things jotted down here. Schedule, spoiling, um, eating, these various circumstances where um, you're doing something to them that they would that they are obliged to go through because you want your life to be nice. You know when we had babies um, and we have a busy home, but we also like the, 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 the joy of after dinner, being able to sit and enjoy the conversation around the house and things going on, and so we just put them to bed. And scheduling, and Leslie is a Nazi about scheduling because she has that great book, My First 300 Babies. Who wrote it? Gladys Hendricks. Gladys Hendricks. And she helped many a woman schedule their babies, which meant sleep through the night, sleep when they're supposed to sleep, eat when they're supposed to eat, and not have their whim suddenly destroy everything you're trying to get done because they, oh, they must be hungry, so I ought to feed them. No, you don't. They'll be hungrier when it's time. 
They'll really eat then. Oh, but they're crying now. Well, guess what? What happens then? You put them where it doesn't bother you so much. <laughs> <laughs> or as we'd like to place a place where the sun don't shine. Okay, the... The, the idea that the, the, it's form you know, which where you put them or how you put them away or whatever the standard that you want the schedule that you want to have in your home is as my Doug used to say you don't like what they're doing make them stop simple you know you're an adult say you were getting a little truculent at a bar if you went to bars and somebody didn't like what you were saying. Do you think they could make you stop? Probably. How? By punching you. Or having the, bar, the, the bouncer throw you out in the street. Stop that. It works. It works for adults. <laughs> they send them to prison. They'll time out. 20 years. <laughs> you know, you, you gave this example of the kid throwing something across the room that they ought not throw across the room. And it's funny how many parents will go, whoa, he's got an arm. And they don't really address that something has happened that ought not to have happened. They want to put this positive spin on it. Whoa, look at all the talent there. Maybe they'll play professional baseball or football. Mm -hmm. Parents don't know what they're about or don't know what to do in the situation. It's like it's a completely new phenomena. And... And because they don't have a principle clear, you know, this is so you won't disrupt my life. And I don't want to pick something up off the floor, especially at a neighbor's house. I want you not to do that anymore. So guess what? We're going to, we're going to adjust that behavior. Uh, same with spoiling. You know, parents who spoil, the, the placating parent, um, it's really, you need to reverse that and say, how are my kids going to spoil me? That's, that's what you're, they're looking for, to make them gratifying to you. Rising up and calling you blessed. It's too often you see bumper stickers, my kid's an honor student at Moscow High. Oh, who cares? Uh, what was the one we saw the other day? Oh, you saw it online. It was oh. the little stick figure stickers. And no it was, one. I think, the, the uh, Ch Texas Chainsaw Massacre at one stick end of figure. the... Stick figure. At one end, cutting up. No and one gives a darn about your stick figure family. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but it was funny. It was funny. Um, eating. This is a uh, this is a constant because you know one of the standard places the family gathers together at the dinner table. The mother has finally managed with you know two point five children to get a dinner on the table. And little green peas are rolling around, or little carrots, or whatever else. And then comes the series of self-governing choices the child decides they're going to make. Now, Leslie used to go out in the backyard with her brothers. Can we eat our carrots outside? They go outside, throw them on the roof. <laughs> For years, I guess there was quite a few carrots up there. Now. Um, You're just trying to stop the disruption, and in some cases, and we learned this on the fly with Graham, um, <laughs> we learned this because we realized that the disobedience was becoming repeated, 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 repeated. 
disobedience because we were making them repeat it, repeat it, and repeat it. Now it sounds like you're a stickler for godliness when you they won't eat his peas, which are those I think it may have been spaghetti. Carrots. Carrots? Mm. Wouldn't eat the carrots. So off you go, upstairs, young man, ten of the ripest and juiciest. Bring him back down, sit him in his chair. There were the carrots, colder, less appetizing, <laughs> more disobedience on his plate. Worse situation. And that war can't be won. I even had a commercial the other day about a you know, little kid in front of his broccoli. And it's how long you're willing to wait. And then it, just, it morphed. He's about an 80-year-old man <laughs> sitting there by the broccoli. <laughs> and all you're doing is saying, okay, let's sin again, shall we? Let's sin again. But if they sin, this is the wonderful thing about discipline. If it, you understand it's, it's to avoid the disruption of your life. You don't want to have that kind of evening. We are monitoring the kid at the table, the kids left at the table, getting sourer and sourer, and the carrots are colder and colder. Um, you just say, okay, well, you get the spanking, and you're done. The spanking took care of your sin. You don't have to, you know, it's not a matter of you, you don't have to eat it anymore. Next time you have carrots, you'll have to eat them. But uh, this time you disobeyed. You got a spanking, you're done. Can I have a fudgesicle? No. <laughs> You'll be hungry for carrots tomorrow. No. And you don't save the plate of carrots for the next morning. <laughs> so before you have your Cheerios or Lucky Charms, you gotta, you got to finish your carrots for last night. You're going to end up being, you know, viewed as Mussolini. You're not, not going to be... Uh, uh, and, it, and it doesn't... It, you need to be able to set their sin aside easily and not have it turn into a, um, a federal case that goes over 14 years, going up through all the appellate levels, and finally someone gets punished. You, you punish them once, and that's enough. The same is true with uh, other more moral sins. Um, you know they did something wrong. Don't ask them if they did it saying, okay, now I get to punish them for lying and doing the thing that they did. It's just, report to the basement. You did this. If you don't, you don't, maybe it's a hope. You hope that your child will repent. And all it is, is, is they know a spanking's coming, so they hope that a lie will get them out of it. I can remember Michael lying to me on the front porch about something. Pine cones, I think. Um, and she looked right at me and told me an untruth. <laughs> now, I shouldn't have asked her. I knew. Well, I think I don't know. In that case, I don't know if I knew what was going on, but I could tell from her face that that wasn't true, what she just told me. <laughs> she did get a spanking. Um, it should be a... The, 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 the stupid and the evil, whatever you're dealing with in discipline, it, it should be remorseless. What's the biblical phrase? Your eye shall not pity. You're not there to discuss it. In many ways, I know a lot of people recommend the, the teaching time afterwards. I recommend the, you know, the hugs or whatever, the, you know, checking to see whether or not 
they've got a stinky attitude or a, uh, or they really are cleansed by it. But um, their little consciences, no. You don't have to tell them necessarily. I don't mind if you do, but it's, it's not like... Uh, um, it's necessarily the right... I was doing a wedding the other day in Spokane, and I realized that these people are not going to remember a thing I said. They're getting married. They could barely get through the vows. They're, I'm saying all this stuff, young man, you need to be... And he's going to get laid tonight. He's not... It's not... Uh, I'm, just, I'm just like... Uh, Parsley, I think, de plate decoration. <laughs> so you don't need that. You know, you're, you're sort of saying, you know, if I got through this, I, the disruption of a spanking, you know, hauling the kid off, it was always a, yeah, you do got to break into your schedule upstairs. We go upstairs, we'd have a wooden spatula, spoon spatula, yeah. we still flat. Have it. We still have it. Yeah. And. Um, uh, it was it was good, faithful. Roy Connect used to make what he called the connector, <laughs> and it was modeled loosely on an I think a frat paddle, but shorter. And uh, he went through a few variations, but it was a thin blade. It was a uh, oak or different different woods with a handle, and uh, and then he finally the, the good ones were his thinner ones, like like a quarter inch oak. Uh, paddle because they weren't so heavy to but swim. they also split you know so you know those things you can get at Bed Bath and Beyond of uh, those bundles of wooden things you just look for one that's a flat here I'll go get yeah a little show and tell <laughs> this has been on the butt of many Wilson kids and now we keep it in the kitchen and stir food with it <laughs> I think they have some the, Walmart. Yeah, probably. I think they don't really intend you to hit people with them. <laughs> That's what they're, they're there for. And again, the ping pong paddle is really good. Uh, anything with a little whoop to it is nice. Um, that's what's beneficial about the switch or uh, a yard stick. The problem with a narrow thing is you get switched. I have a nice piece of leather about that one. Okay, leather is, yeah. That is serious, serious business there. Um, that's child abuse, I think. In my dad's circumstance. We were a wealthy family. We had two. Yeah, we swung it so hard it burnt the tip. <laughs> but just again, something that's broad enough, you know, the, the what are they called? The uh, Health and Human Services Department, Child Safety. They don't like to find bruises on kids. Oh, I remember, yeah. Our kids always had a great relationship with the paddles when they weren't in trouble. They weren't like they didn't. Oh! We were not traumatized by them. They laughed about them. It's funny how people do think that, that there's trauma associated with the object and that there was this theory that you shouldn't use your hand because then they fear your hand. You don't use your hand because it hurts your hand. <laughs> and you're not in, this is, I don't want to be disrupted. I don't want to feel what they're feeling. I'm supposed to in enjoy a pinch, this. You use your hand though. If you yeah, I, I had to a couple times and I really realized it is not a good idea. You cannot, yeah, you can't do it, hurt them without hurting you. Every action is the equal opposite reaction. Um, Ecclesiastes says, because sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the hearts of the sons of men is fully set to do evil. 
That's true. And especially with younger children, the younger they are, the shorter sense of duration they have and association with things. They don't know how to measure period of time or movement and you need to have that's why it's they're down on the floor reaching for the outlet. You reach down there, you don't say, I'm young man, I'm gonna take you to your room and in fifteen minutes I'll meet with you and spank you. They're not gonna know about the outlet by that point. So you need to swat their hand right there. Um, as they mature, that's why you're able to move from hand to butt because they they're able to maintain the sense of wrong in their head. They they know um, and you can have time to get their pants down. Um, you want to convince them from an early age that you are undeniably in charge, that nothing they can do will give them any control over the moment. Okay? You are undeniably in charge, and they have no control. You're preparing the way of the Lord in their life, and uh, um, uh, it's important that you get it right. Is that right? I call these cults of discipline. Ah, they're not really cults, but it kind of, you know, PowerPoint sort of, oh, that's really interesting. And there are probably more than this, but these were three I was thinking of about people who, who are disciplining, the, the way they discipline, what they discipline with, the stricture they put on their children is wrong-headed. Um, the first, the postmodern subjectivists, that's not actually the name they carry, but they are postmodern in that they think whatever they think has just as much a claim to being right and needful. What I do with my kids, what I decide, that's just as right as what you decide. No, it's not. There is a right and a wrong. There's a wise and a foolish. And if you are just a power-mad martinet, that name for Jean Martinet, a French cavalry officer, um, just overwrought with your own sense of power and glory, and always wanting to have a, 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 a run a rigorous uh, family, you know, little little lined up um, tape on the floor for the bicycles to park in. Tape on the floor for bicycles. Uh, you know, the sound of music pipe pipes them in. Little lineup. Um, I, my father knew a guy, a military officer, who had his kids trained that way, and they were a stand inspection. And uh, I guess this officer told my dad at one point, the I don't know, there were about four or five of them, and they were all lined up at attention, and and uh, and the the youngest one had a look on his face that didn't look, you might say, uh, military, and uh, he said, "What's your problem, soldier?" He said, sir, how do I get out of this chicken outfit, sir? <laughs> I was like five. <laughs> well, you don't want to create a chicken outfit. You don't want to, and you don't want to presume that just because you subjectively think that, I, was, I had a counseling situation today. Well, someone I didn't know just came over the transom yesterday, made an appointment today from out of town. Difficult problems in the family. It was one of those sorts of situations. The father was conspiracy theorist, you know, that kind of person, and, and had all these rules that would, would change 
permissions at the last minute. No, you can't do that. I decided it wasn't a good idea. And would just be about ruining people's lives and thought because he was in charge, <coughs> it had just as much claim to being wise and authoritative and godly as any other father who was in charge of his family. That's a postmodern notion that truth is subjective and it's based on what you're what you think, how you feel about it. Another one is the Fabian moralist, and I would be happy to tell you that is an original term, uh, stolen from the Fabian socialists. But the Fabian moralist is, is uh, I would call them all, and this family was also that, the flight from the world. They want to get 40 acres out, on, you know, out by the wilderness area and raise their own chickens and do stuff. So when the end comes, they'll be ready for the Antichrist. Or the Fabian, Fabian moralists are actually the, probably the more innocent. The in, we're trying to maintain innocence. They try to discipline their family by keeping their kid from ever seeing, not by keeping them busy with activities, but by keeping them completely alienated from the world. Fabius, who it says on the side, Quintus Fabius Maximus Varucosus Concator, um, he fought Hannibal. Well, let's just say he didn't fight Hannibal. And Fabius was known for avoiding Hannibal. And so he spent his time running around Italy, never encountering Hannibal. And so that's, so it was a tactic, in his mind it was a tactic, uh, to keep Hannibal from ever being able to get a victory by never fighting him. And so the Fabian socialists, that was George Bernard Shaw and Beatrix Potter and those people, uh, they believed in bringing socialism about slowly by avoiding confrontation, not having a Bolshevik revolution, but just having a slow, like we've happened here in this country. The Fabian moralists are people who try to avoid, avoid said, to, to, because they believe somehow their kids are going to grow up good. Just because, no, they're going to be evil and retarded. Okay, socially retarded, probably actually retarded, because it doesn't make them moral, it just makes them weird. Okay? Um, and the last one, the patriarchs, which, these are all similar, because they function a lot in the same areas. Um, the patriarchs um, are serving a culture, and this is a basic idea of discipline. A patriarchal culture believes it is there as patriarch to guide this people through the desert that is this life. And this people, for him, is all of his descendants. All of his descendants for whatever number of generations for as long as he lives. He is always in charge because it's his culture. He wants his culture to be constant. You get fathers who are interviewing guys to marry their daughters, and they don't think that the daughter should have to go away with this new son-in-law or be subject to the son. The son-in-law has got to be subject to him. They're more like Laban, you know, <laughs> tricking people to stay with them and do work for them and, and never lose their daughter. They don't want to lose any of their authority. Well, that, again, that, these is, that is an idea. All these as ideas stand in the way of the kind of discipline that a Christian family should be doing. You have to admit that it's not your culture that you're trying to sustain all the way through their life no matter how old you get and they get. You're trying to exchange a maturity to them that they can leave father and mother and cleave to their wife and the two shall become one flesh and off it goes again. It, 
it's a, free, a, a diminishing of authority to raise the honor. If it's done well, the diminishing of authority is not a rebellion or an escape. It's a growth of honor both directions. I honor my child by pushing him out the door saying, you're done, live long and prosper, make your own glory. And they say, thank you, Father, you are a prince. <laughs> Something like that. So, uh, um, we need to have, both in the, 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 in all these cases, the opposite situation. I need, instead of post-modernity, I need to have a search for the way God wants it to be. To interview wise people, look at the scriptures, what does he want, what does he expect, what's going on, not just the, the ticking off which ethical things you should watch out for, but how you watch out for them. Knowing your, your discipline will never save their soul. Your discipline will only punish their misbehavior. It will create, again, a circumstance for the gospel. Fabian moralists, instead of escaping the world, the wise parent knows that really real wisdom, real superiority of parenting, welcomes the world. It says, I wrote to you, my brother, not to associate with immoral men, not at all, meaning the immoral of this world. For then you would have to leave the world. And then that's what the, these guys seem to think at last bit. Hey, then we get to leave the world. No, we don't leave the world. The non-Christians are around us. You don't expose your children to unnecessary wickedness, but they would love to see you handling wickedness. They would love to see how you deal with a homosexual at the dinner table. Not a homosexual. My father... Um, would bring home bad people to dinner. Yeah, I can I, I can remember, and Doug remembers this too. It's high, I was in high school. Uh, this black radical lawyer from University of Michigan at our dinner table, shoving food into his mouth, cursing my father out throughout the whole meal. Words that we had not yet heard in our Southern Baptist upbringing. And my father was nice. He wasn't trying to shield us from it. We just sat there and ate our macaroni, <laughs> and um, and got educated, <laughs> and got educated in how because Christianity is actually the superior thing. It's better than everything else. You've been made better by Jesus Christ. You've been given the truth. You you're going to let your kids watch you. Not necessarily school them or out debate them or things like that. But love them. You're not intimidated by them. So, you don't expose them necessarily. The Fabian moralist, that escapism is just silly. This is just stupid. And the patriarchs are self-absorbed. They think it's their world they're trying to establish. And they don't know it's got to end. Once you think you're a patriarch, you think that your world should not end. And... Uh, but next on this is what we really are doing. We stop stupid. We punish evil. And Leslie pointed this out to me this afternoon. We don't let our fears augment our control into an injustice. Too often, I'm looking at the sin they committed. And if I have a fear temptation, I can write very quickly a narrative which will bring them to an ignominious end if this isn't stopped. 
and if I don't stop it. So I end up punishing my kid unjustly for crimes I imagine, dangers I perceive in the narrative I wrote about the future, I punish them for, to make sure they don't go that direction. No, I punish them for what they did. If, and this is why it's good, and we'll get to this in a minute, about uh, the actual practical thing. You set a punishment. It's a set punishment, a group of them. That if they deserve a punishment, that's set punishment. We don't always try to figure out whether or not this is a 3 swat or a 12 swat. It's just 12. Always. But you don't want an injustice to step in. You need to have this more existential, this is the moment. Hey, you were being stupid. I gotta, I gotta swat you. You gotta learn to not do that. You were being evil. You lied to your mother. I'm sorry. But if the narrative of future fear steps in, you could, uh, you could be moved into a place where, again, you are not to be trusted with the, with the punishments because you're adding something to it. Um, remember that movie, Minority Report? I think it was uh, with, um, what's his name? So that's Tom, Cruise. Tom Cruise. Oh, it's Tom, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, where they had people who could tell if you were going to commit a crime, and then they go arrest you before you did it. You say, wow, this is really wrong. What you were going to do if they allowed it to continue. You don't want to have those kind of fears. What could happen guiding how, many, uh, how you punish. Um, or what you punish. Or what you punish, yeah. The, one of the basic things in all of this is you must decrease, Christ must increase. You're trying to send them out the door with a greater grip on the hand of Christ and no grip on yours. No, no it's, it's a handing off of the baton. I mean, it's a, you know, here, my son, Jesus will go with you from this point on. And they should have that kind of relationship with you and with Christ that that is was right for them. And can you accept, where is your, I don't know what kind of egos you have, but where is it? What's it up? Are you going to be one of those, oh, well, I, anybody comes to ask my daughter for her, my hand in marriage, I'm going to have cleaning my shotgun on the, as I hear that from every father. Are you cleaning my shotgun? Larry Lucas used to say, well, I can shoot both your kneecaps off before they can put me in jail for it. Well, that's reassuring. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> We're Christians, for heaven's sake. Now, we like to be men about it. We like to joke about it. That's, and that's fine. I think that's pretty funny. But um, it's like rocking your kids to sleep. Um, the, but we have to be aware or, or, or conscious. And most fathers eventually do. They're able to, with a few tears, give their daughter away at the altar. Um, and you have to be ready to be demoted. Even if they're just going out into the world to make their way, you get demoted. And if your heart gets ready to get demoted, you probably get elevated. If you serve your children righteously the way God wants you to do it, they will rise up and call you blessed. They will admire you. They will care for you. So, punishment and reward. Um, We're moving slowly. Are we are moving slowly? You are. Okay. Let's, let's pick this puppy up. Okay. Punishments and rewards. There's a... First, there's a difference between house rules and moral rules. 
you need house rules. Most of the law of Moses were house rules. Things that didn't matter eternally, but just kept things moving along in its place. Um, you have a house rule, take your shoes off and you come into the house. We don't have that rule because we're, what is the word, civilized. Um, and We spanked our kids for taking their shoes off. <laughs> And putting their helmets on. If they put their helmets on, they got to spank it. Um, you basically want to say, I am wielding the blessings and the cursings, the pleasure and the pain, the lictor, the lictor's facies. I am hauling that around so I can establish schedule, allowances, all the things that are family established, how much you give them per week if you have an allowance, what you expect them to do. Johnny sets the table, Susie clears the table. Those are all, you know, house rules, what you're expected to do. Um, um, and they'll respond to that and you'll punish in regard to it. Uh, those things happen early as opportunities for you to create the order you want, a life of ease you want, the picture of life you want, I want you to wear this. I don't want to wear this. Guess what? I want you to wear it. You have to, those are fights that are, you know, are not important that he wears, you know, a little, you know, clown suit in front of the Sears photographer. But it's what you want <laughs> because you don't have any taste. But it's what you want. And you, and you take those opportunities to establish in their mind that you are not to be resisted. Um, there ought to be a path of sh that they know where they cross between a house law and a moral law. Like when they just disrespect you over a moral law, uh, over a house law. House law, small infraction, a little bit of sass. Suddenly, suddenly things have changed and you need to be, because you're preparing the way of the Lord, because you're laying things to, in, to, in such a way that doors will be open for the gospel, you're, you're going to want to be dropping away the house rules as time goes on, but keeping, you know, you, you, that the really important things are still really important. Uh, basic policy of discipline, the pleasure should please them the pain should hurt them. Uh, just recently we noticed with Alex, our grandson, he's getting hand swats pretty regularly, but he just looked at his parents. It's almost like, so? You could get used to that. I mean, women get bare children. I mean, they, they, they go, and they want to do it again. I mean, it's not that, that uh, pain is not something someone could learn how to be adjust to. They, they be, if these nerves are not, um, well, that didn't sting at all. And so I know that in many ways, no matter how hard I hit my hand, I am not going to, <gasps> you know, the, the, the early times when you swat hands, yeah, they didn't know what happened. <laughs> they, they, but then they start to process, because they're learning motor skills, they're learning how to control their own body, because that is their self. They care about these feelings, and so they know how to start to process that which comes in negatively, and try not to have that bother them. And when they succeed, you need to change, because the pain should hurt them. 
it doesn't do anything if it doesn't hurt them. Just like the pleasure doesn't do anything. Look, Grandma bought you some new gym socks. <laughs> now, that was nice of her. It was a gift. You know, or some game that is really under your age level. She bought you a puzzle. You know, a 15-piece puzzle. You're 15 years old. And, and it's kangaroos and hippopotami. And real easy. And it was a gift. Supposed to be a pleasure. Well, the pleasure should please. The pain should hurt. That's just a. And so we, you know, we encourage Davis and Manisha to, you know, up the ante. Um, it says in Proverbs 22, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. You're, you're straightening out stupid. Is that what we know? We stop stupid. They're, they're natural idiots. And you're taking the chaos of pain and pleasure and saying, okay, let's use these. Let's help them make a self that understands. Make a self that understands. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Now, Age appropriateness. Proverbs 19. Discipline your son while there is hope. Do not set your heart on his destruction. Get it done. You do it right early enough, you won't have to visit him in rehab because that's not going to be where he ends up. While there's hope. Now, I, I, I didn't have a place for this, but uh, yeah. We're getting into age-appropriate discipline. And for each of the disciplines or each of the periods, usually it's in the young age where they're still vastly impressionable about their who you are, who are you, and why are you doing this to me? And you're, they're defining who you are in, on their horizon. The reign of terror. The reign of terror is, you know, you say, you know, little Johnny and Susie are, are just a little free. A little free about their life. Let's have everything be wrong. Let's just, you know, we're just going to be tripwired. You know, it's going to be, they're not going to know what the heck I'm doing. Oh, no, I'm going to dragged off into the outer darkness once again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. We had, I don't know how many Reigns of Terror we had, but it was not very many, no. but boy, they're really effective. Really are. And they're fun. They're enjoyable. Like, what kind of period of time? Oh, a week. A week, okay. You know, a week. Uh, it's just like they, they, because the, the, the graduation, and this is how the philosophy works, the, the pain on the hand stops working. The first time, it's, you could probably remember this, the first time, it's almost a time of joy, when you got to drop their trowel, and they don't know what's going on. They do not know what's going on. They have no idea what's going to happen. Now, I remember still, the pain, and this wasn't a discipline moment, but it was at school. Somebody took one of those stretchy book straps back in the days when the, in the Depression when we had book straps. <laughs> and uh, it was like a long bungee cord thing you tied your books up. But he stretched out like a rubber band behind me and nailed me in the rear with it. Now, I have never <laughs> felt such shock, loss of breath. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't. And that's what happens to a kid. Uh, in those first spankings, it's just joy. It's just 
you know, you just know that, and they and they have uncontrolled, explosive crying. <laughs> they they have lost control because this is a because of their self. They are going to be every chance they get seeking to leverage that self into a stronger position. You're trying to make their self strong so that they can go on their way rejoicing, but they're trying to grab authority wherever they can find it. And there's nothing quite like them losing all control. They, they can't control the tears, snot's coming out of their nose, they're just, <laughs> just a mess. Now, what brought that on? Just joy. Age-appropriate discipline, and Leslie really helpful here because she has a memory. Um, earliest, letting them cry to establish scheduling, letting them go through an unpleasantness. That again, not just letting them go through an unpleasantness of wet diaper, because they come away from that with a rash. You don't just say pain for pain's sake. It's saying I am I am letting you go through pain because I want my life the way I want my life. I'm not here to find out how a baby wants its life. I'm going to let the baby know how I want my life. Letting them cry during scheduling. Leslie says at, at some point you add the firm declaration. Oh yeah, if they're um, yeah, out of control. This is probably like a, somewhere in the three to six months old and you want them to sleep. Maybe it's, it's evening and you're putting them to bed and you've decided, okay, they're not going to um, get anything more, no nursing or whatever, and they just keep crying and crying. You, can go, you go to the door of their room and open it, maybe even walk up to the crib and you say, you're being naughty, go to sleep, <laughs> and walk out. But you don't coddle, oh, honey, you need to go to sleep. Got that, Rachel? No <laughs> coddling. But they the need babies. to have this sense of, mom... That, that woman came in, that woman that feeds me, she came in and her voice didn't sound happy, you know, it, and she didn't pick me up and she didn't feed me. And, um, yeah, it's upsetting to them and they may cry again, you may have to go back again in another, I don't know, 20 minutes or whatever. But it's, it's just knowing that the kid needs to learn you're in charge. Yeah, it's time I mean, to all go these to things, sleep. They're learning a complete language within two years without having gone to class. They're really bright. They're pulling it all in. And who you are, they're pulling in. And they're defining you and what points of leverage they have on you. And when they can't get a point of leverage, you've got, you've got that ability to have them in humility bow the knee. I think that also what's super scary to moms is how they can sound when they're crying and after 10 minutes how it elevates to this I mean they really sound like they're probably gonna die and you are this horrible horrible mother for not going in there and picking them up and comforting them I can remember the lion in bed first kid Leslie starts to get up I go boink you know back you go none of that even Leslie, who has no heart, <laughs> wanted to rescue the baby. <laughs> but it works. It worked great. <laughs> it really did. Um, the, 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 you move on from scheduling 
you might say making them go wherever they go, carrying them wherever you want to put them, put them down, firm declaration, that's what it's going to be, and walk it away. Then it moves to, okay, I need to rivet their attention with the swat to the hand and the, uh, or the swat to the thigh, added to the word no or stop it, or things that they start to recognize as associating your will, that word, they don't want me to do this, they add pain to it. It does. They're not rocket scientists, though they're smart. But and then we move to da, 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 the full butt apocalypse, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and it's. I, I make the note that it's best served cold. You do not want to in any of these situations ever, ever discipline a child with any attitude. Your attitude, anger, annoyance. It should be cold. It's justice, and as soon as they know they got you angry, they will put that in the bank. They will enjoy coming back. If they know they can't stop you from disciplining you, they will enjoy messing your life up, making you angry with them, and controlling the situation by your anger, making you feel bad about the whole situation because you sinned against them. So. You want to inflict pain, not express any vengeance. You're not there to get vengeance on them. You're there to train the situation, make it work better. Um, pick a number on the full butt. Um, because people don't usually see their butt. And, you know, you say, what if they see and all these bruises? You're hitting them wrong. If there's any bruises, you're hitting them wrong. And what are other people doing seeing your kid's butt? <laughs> I mean, you put them in daycare or something, and they always examine the butt for abused children, and the Christian kids lose their kids because, you know, the spoon is bad for that. It's a wooden spoon because it, it's got a, and it will, it will drop all the way into the flesh and cause a bruise to arrive. Um, we got this worked out. <laughs> but um, there is a, uh, uh, a, good, a good idea about the, uh, and I'm not saying I use ten. Ten swats, you know, you have five on each cheek. You can rotate, concentrate, depends on you. It's all a matter of your art. But if you don't have a number, remember these guys are really smart and they're sinners and they're not saved yet. They, okay, they know. This is a variable decision moment for my father. <laughs> And they know that this will cause, you know, me to get fewer. And it's not a, um, you don't want to be in that situation. You just want to say they know as soon as they get let up the stairs, it's 10. It's not done till 10 are done. And uh, there's no negotiation on it. I did them fast to get it over with fast. I remember that. Yeah. Did father do them slower? Yeah. There Fingered. Was more, there was more power. Is that, that okay. wave it up here? The sound of it whistling through the air. <laughs> the hammer of Thor into the. I really did have a good time. The fifth, uh, you know, that, that, that'll last you again, you know, through their young life before they hit pre you know, adolescence. Uh, it's best to stop spanking on the butt at adolescence. You start to have sexual issues. Um, moms 
you, know, you don't want to be dropping your teenage boy's pants at 13. Um, you don't want to be spanking your daughter at 13. You're just done. If you didn't get it done by then, you are done, you know, nonetheless. And uh, uh, come and talk to us at that point and see if we can save your kid. Uh, and after that point, it becomes issues of talk. Now, it, that's when, full butt, this does not remove from your arsenal the putting the kid away, what some people call time out. Uh, we don't believe time out as any kind of replacement for the pain. But you want to keep all those, you might say, expectations that you think would discipline the situation and be, uh, but you want all discipline to be short-lived. You don't want to, grounding, I would say, is just out. You do not ground, because you have just taken away their life for six weeks or two weeks and said, you get to not be cleansed and dealt with. You want the punishment to fall on them, be recovered from, but if you drag it out, you're just saying, okay, bitterness, have a heyday. Um, and grounding, I mean, I, I, going to their room, and you, we've all heard the story from my father, they thought I was a tender soul, and they gave me the choice of going to my room or getting a spanking. They'd read some books, I guess, and uh, I, went, <laughs> I chose the room, go up there and play, right? One, it doesn't always do much, uh, it's helpful when it's a baby when they don't, there's nothing they can do. They can get bored really quick and until they have a good attitude then they can come out. When they want to be someplace else, it can be disciplined. Uh, but it didn't work for me and I finally sinned. It was somewhere in the early grade school that I sinned in a grave way regarding the side of the house and muddy handprints. Um, Ed lied about it and uh, I don't know how long this time in my room had been going on. My father said, Evan, um, do you want to go to your room or do you want a spanking? I said, I want a spanking. And he said, do you want it hard or you want it soft? I said, I want it hard. Now, I, I knew that my parents' wisdom was not enough. I was getting away with these crimes. And I wanted to be restored. I wanted to be, pay for my sins. And it... Um, that wasn't doing it. So be aware that though those things are open to you, you can always, I, Leslie might have an idea of what it means by a small issue. A lot of times it's just the kids not playing well together. Yeah, you know, not, they haven't done anything evil. I, I would have a kid that was just whiny and you, you couldn't, they just couldn't be happy. And I would finally say, you know, you need to go up to your room and you can come down when you're happy. And I have, I was telling them last night, I have definite memories of, of Davis calling from the top of the stairs, I'm happy now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can come down. And usually it, it really was, was all that was needed. Sometimes they're really not happy and there's just too many icky attitudes being displayed and they just need a spanking. And it clears everything up. Or a snack. Sometimes they need a snack. <laughs> if it's snack time. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Fruit roll-ups. Fruit roll um, so you can, you, and there's also talking to them. Because as they get older and older and older, they become more of a self and more of an identity, and you can actually communicate with them. Um, you have to remember that the, all of this is temporary and fading. 
your dis if your discipline gets stronger with time, you're a failure. It should get, get less with time. Your relationship should go up, your discipline should go down. Because you become more like a brother and sister in Christ, more friends, it's a great time when they hit their young adult lives and you get fellowship with them and if there's any problem there's actually like you would with another Christian brother the rebuke the admonition the encouragement they're really open to that and lastly you relinquish them into their life's own discipline discipline always goes on but um, you have to say they know enough to be out there and make a decision that the blessing and cursing of life will take care of it. Um, now, I, I wanted to address the, quickly uh, the grant of mercy. Mercy is when you decide not to punish them for no reason other than to show them mercy. For no reason but to show them mercy. Um, it has to be when it's deserved. The spanking is deserved. Mercy is not deserved. The spanking is. Um, you don't want to do it when it wasn't intensely bad or there's doubts about your ability to prove it uh, or you're just, yeah, I don't want to spank another kid tonight. You know, you don't, it's not because you're tired. It's not because it's not that bad. You're not, you're not, you're not falling apart on discipline. You're saying, yeah, this, this is a moment where, and I'd be happy to, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm not, I did this a number of times with each of the kids. I'm not going to spank you. It's my gift to you. <laughs> now the benefit is not only the, the, the idea of mercy, but they know what the regime's been like. They know that it's been had standards and the spankings were consistent and always there. And you have said, um, why don't you process this? And sometimes at a certain age, usually when they're older, a certain age, that will be a manifest uh, sense of uh, they've encountered a righteousness that they, they don't know. It's not your righteousness, but it's the idea itself. Be aware that strict doesn't make wise. Okay? Uh, this is like uh, the postmodern subjectivist. Uh, just because you got really tight standards doesn't make you smart. Um, if I've mentioned, I mentioned it back with these postmodern subjectivists. Um, if you are raising ignorant and stupid with ignorant and stupid rules, you're going to raise either ignorant and stupid children or children that figure out you're ignorant and stupid. Those are the two choices. <laughs> That's not neither one of those is good. Uh, them finding out you're ignorant and stupid is is probably less, I don't know which is more embarrassing, having your kids go out into the world actually believing what you taught them. Um, um, your uh, strictness has to be based on something. Um, there is a, uh, a, a need to test your reasons. Uh, are they based on your self-interest or selfishness? Uh, are they, what's the, what's the guide to what's happening here? Is it, is it really the order of life? 
really the order of life that makes that would be a good order of life. It would be a gracious life to have around your house, not just because you're prissy and like to have a bunch of little standards that your kids have to do. Don't be prissy. Don't be that kind of difficult person. You need to. You need to justify your claim. You've been given adulthood, and you because you had sex with somebody that produced a baby. It was not a huge qualification. Um, so you better prove that you 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 are up to the authority God has given you. Um, and one thing that parents who don't really think too much about it do is they say no all the time. A request is not a challenge to your authority. Do you say no to take every opportunity of power? Because that's what makes you feel like you're more in charge. The kid obviously wants this lollipop cookie in the cookie jar. It would just be me going along with the kid if I said yes. I feel like I'm in charge if I say no. I'll say no. <laughs> kind of, you know, it says in Matthew 7, even you know, our fathers knew how to give, evil men knew how to good gifts, good give, give good gifts to their children. Uh, the idea of, of representing, like with the mercy, now this is not the spoiling, the parent that can actually give, financially give, everything the kid wanted to the kid if the kid wanted. There's no, there's no it's too expensive. My kids always heard that. Oh, it's too expensive. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. They, they knew those lines. Uh, that it kept them from wanting stuff at Walmart. Uh, but a rich person, you say, well, they could say yes to everything. Well, then they'd be spoiling their kid, right? So when it's a principle, it's not always don't say no if you could say yes, but don't say yes all the time, even if you could, because your task, that what you're doing with the child, means that the no Bring something to them. It's not just you proving your authority. You're, you're proving you're wealthy with saying yes all the time, but you're proving, you're proving that something else matters more um, in their life, that they would learn how to arrange their life. We talked about this the first night, versus inventory. You don't just want them to have a heap of stuff, always trying to make them feel good with more stuff, to the heathen that becomes the work of heaping and gathering. And... You're trying to teach them, you know, it'd be better for you to learn how to arrange your life with what you have. So no, you've got a lot of good now. You know, you've, you've basically shown. So you've got, you got both errors. One is the rich parent who does everything for the kid, and the other parent is just trying to prove they're in charge. Um, you have to be in the peace you're trying to convey. It's true like the religion, you have to be, have the relationship with Jesus Christ. You want them to have with Jesus Christ. With honesty, you have to be the height and the lifted up thing, so that they really do view you as high and lifted up. It's it's accurate, and you do have to have the peace you're trying to build in your home. Um, um, it's a when you've got yourself together, you've got that joy and that healthy ability to love while you discipline. So I say, cold, not not angry. If you are disciplining angry, you're, you're just expressing some sin towards the child. Not training, you're just taking vengeance. Um, it's an opportunity for love. This passage out of Hebrews, my son, do not regard this lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage when you're punished by him. 
for the Lord disciplines him whom he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And that's what that you want them to discover about you, that the chastisement is painful rather than pleasant, but it is the heart of love that's guiding it. If you're taking vengeance on them, um, it's not. Now, lastly, um, we have the issues of justice. There's just a couple things I want you to think about. Um, let's go to my next, my next slide. What matters, matters. As you guide your home, what matters to you does matter. And you need to have a, a mind of righteousness, not a mind, like I mentioned about the patriarch, of just cultural purity. Say you have a kid who's kind of artsy and emo and listens to awful, awful music, and then you have a little, you know, what is the name? Um, that little Lord Fauntleroy, um, Michael, um, who is the kid who's a little Republican, who's a Back to the Future uh, guy? Michael J. Fox, you know, some little, little Lance Sterling, you know, who, <laughs> who tucks his, you know, his blue Oxford in and pleats his, his khakis and, and uh, carries a book strap with his books. There's all sorts of good things. And, um, it's a little piece of work, basically. Um, some kids are maneuvering to win in the battle over wills by being obsequious and insincere. Um, and some are being open rebels. Jesus gives the illustration in Matthew about the kid who says, no, I'm not going to do it, then repents and does it. And the kid who says, sure, I'll do it, and doesn't do it. You've got to be there for righteousness, not for your culture. You, your emo kid needs to see you turn on the little prig at the dinner table. It's prig, I'm saying. <laughs> G. And that's like those little self-absorbed theocrats that wander around. And take them down a few notches. They need to see you, if the reprimands need to be given, righteousness needs to be represented. The, the, the emo kid needs to be praised and loved when they're, need, and, and so does the prig. But everyone needs to be punished according to what is right and wrong. You ever have that kid who just gets that schmarmy look on their face and they let you know that I knew that, Father. What little Susie was doing was wrong. I told her. I told her so. Wasn't I good? No, you were not good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was winning some points. So they, they really do have these efforts that they just like in the politics in a court in a Persian capital. They know how to be schmarmy, supercilious, obsequious, all sorts of great words. And uh, you need to be ready to have what really matters is not um, whether or not everybody is being good little citizens. You need to say, you know, you good little citizens are driving me berserk. Um, you know, I don't believe you. <laughs> or whatever the real crime is. You want to punish real crimes. Not just punish well-dressed, good young Republicans because they're well-dressed, good young Republicans. That's not a crime. But if they're prigs, they need to be stopped. Uh, kind of like the prodigal son. You, you get the, the older brother who's just difficult. The story's really about him. 
not the prodigal. Everybody has seen people go off the rails and come back through repentance. Uh, but everybody knows that sometimes the people that never left, uh, they're evil. They don't even know it's evil. They don't know there's anything more. Um, one point that I put in because someone called me about it a number of years ago. I got a phone call. And the guy said, I know my kid did something. I know what it is. He knows I know. But he also knows I can't prove it. I can't prove it. I know. He knows I know. But we both know I can't prove it. Do I discipline him? I said, no. Because justice is more important than what you know is true. He needs to know. If he knows you can't prove it, he can tell himself you're spanking him unjustly. Disciplining him unjustly. And believe me, you're not here to make him righteous. When parents again think they're doing the wrong thing, Jesus Christ makes righteous. You just create a fated circumstance that opens the doors and windows for the gospel. You're representing the good, you're representing the holy, you are being the law of Moses in their life. And that um, will make it um, a better impression. The last point, and then we'll, I just want you to think on it. I have a passage out of Samuel, and you can read on your own why French kids don't have ADHD, uh, but it's because they live a disciplined lifestyle more than Americans do, and uh, so the rate is incredibly less in France than it is in the United States. 0.5% of French kids get diagnosed and put on medication, and 9% of American kids. And if you just read, you'll figure out what, what that is. But you notice that David, you know the story of David and Absalom, Tamar, and, and, and Amnon, uh, David's kids going, it doesn't matter if you're the greatest friend of God, you know, the, your personal devotion, if you don't treat your kids correctly, they will become difficult and you won't be able to put the toothpaste back in the tube. There are a lot of parents who are facing rebellion in their older children, there's really nothing you can do. You can love them, you can evangelize them. Um, Samuel, in First Samuel, the sons of Eli, they had gotten, that was who Samuel served under, and he couldn't control them. They wouldn't listen to their father. They were sleeping with the women in the temple, and they end up dying. But it says in Proverbs 9, he who corrects a scoffer He who corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. If you want to have the kind of relationship later in life where you are able to give advice, admonition, teaching, even reproof, you have got to have made that kid a wise kid initially. You don't say, oh, I'll just, you know, they could go to hell in a handbasket and then I'll reprove them later. We'll have an intervention. You'll just get into a fist fight. You don't want to be in a fight later on. Um, so don't wait. You just make them wise, then you can teach them later. If you don't use discipline to bring them into a frame of mind that understands authority, understands righteousness, understands who you are and they are, then uh, you have some hope that your conversations with them will bear fruit later on. That is all. Let's pray.
We have cookies. Dear Lord, thank you very much for your discipline of us uh, that brought us to yourself, that uh, the presence of the law, the presence of, of your grace, we'd ask that we would be faithful to set up circumstances in which our children would learn things that would make them ripe for your gospel. Uh, that we wouldn't try to make an end run around the gospel and save our children from sin or save our children from ever doing wrong by the discipline, but that we would know its limits and our limits, but that we would be uh, your servants in this. In your son's name, amen.